Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ahoy there, my listeners. Thank you for coming back to me. I've got a very special episode lined up for you today. This is our first episode with a guest and it is none other than my brother, my first friend, Charles Thompson. Now, don't worry about it. It was done under the COVID guidelines. Charlie had a test and it came back negative. So it's all swifty swifty. All right. Now we talk about some of our shared experiences, traveling and just growing up together. And we touch on mindfulness, meditation practice, and many of Charlie's experiences and stories from his own travels. I really think you'll enjoy this episode. And it was lovely to have a guest with me. And we've got many more guested episodes lined up for the future times. All right. So please sit back and feast your ears on this juicy little sauce pot. <laughs> Goodbye. Welcome to Health M Truths. Today we have a special episode. It's our first guest episode, which is very exciting. This is someone I've known for many years now, since we were four or five years old. We were first friends. We went to nursery together. We've been traveling together. We played rugby together for many years. We've shared a lot of experiences. And um, today we want to have a nice chat. I'll share, we'll share some of our uh, joint experiences, some separate, you know, give a bit of background information. Charles Thompson, everyone, otherwise known as Manu Baba. So I think we'll start by you outline your upbringing and maybe what led you down the spiritual path you're on. Hmm. Two big questions. <laughs> we'll start with, so outline your upbringing. How was it? What was it like? Mm. You know? Firstly, thank you for inviting me onto the show. Of course. Big fan of the work you do, your podcast. Thank Change you. your 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 making um yeah i'm i grew up in in surrey in southwest london and have three brothers and a lovely mother and father and yeah a very normal suburban upbringing we were all like well fed and had great uh yeah very warm and loving family i'm very grateful for that and yeah, I went to. I was always very sporty, and I enjoyed being physically active all the time, as as you know from my rugby <laughs> days. <laughs> Maybe a bit too boisterous, but <laughs> no, you had no um, no care for your own personal safety, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, um. <laughs> it's all good. So you grew up. You grew up with in quite, you know, an affluent situation. Mm. How do your how, what are your views on that now? 
now that you've traveled and seen the world? Well, I definitely, that was one thing that sparked me to go travel when I was 18. I went to South Africa for three months and I had a friend there. That's why I chose that place. I went and lived with him. And yeah, it was definitely, I wanted to see another aspect of the world, you know, always seeing it from from an affluential and maybe a luxurious uh, standpoint. It definitely is a different perspective and you appreciate things differently or maybe in my past I didn't appreciate things that I should have. Um, and I, I think I, early on it definitely helped me having the comforts because I realised that there's more to life than material comfort and material luxury. And even though I had those things and I had a very loving family, I always had plenty f of food and nice clothes and whatnot. I, yeah, I, for six, seven years in my teenage years, I was I had uh, depression and anxiety. And yeah, it's dealing with a lot of things and even having these material comforts didn't, didn't give me any fulfillment and although it was tough at the time I'm definitely so happy because it made me you know come off the beaten path and try made and you made you want to try anything else or look for what's out there to make you feel yeah better or different definitely I think discomfort really challenges you to grow you know if we're always content we have it's good to aim for contentment and peace but yeah it's good to challenge yourself you know <laughs> you don't know what you can do really until you challenge yourself tell me more about your experience with depression and anxiety when did that come on what what do you feel triggered it or was it a gradual and um how did you initially deal with it and mm. how did you feel about it and then it i guess it came about yeah quite early on when i was like 12 13 i went to an all boys private school and I get I still I guess that make anyone depressed or anxious yeah <laughs> I mean I was always quite creative and and yeah it was very strict and and stern school very a good a good school and I'm very grateful for it and I learned many things very sporty I got to do learn hockey cricket football um but yeah, I think it came down to the fact that I just didn't feel the environment, not just in the school, but also in our, our modern society, just wasn't wasn't calming or sometimes receptive or, you know, sensitive to to the entire spectrum of of each person, you know. It's very much trying to mould you or yeah, you have to fit a certain mould to fit in, as many of us feel in school, you know. Um, yeah, I feel that. It's the mm. constant narrowing down, you know, mm. putting you in a smaller and smaller category. Yeah. And f forcing it at an early age. And we were just talking about this the other day, where your purpose or whatever you decide to do, or it may never come or it may come at the end of your life or in the middle of your life, but you can never force a realisation or a discovery no. within yourself. Mm. That's why so many people, there's epidemics of people being depressed and anxious and generally unhealthy and unwell from a society like this. Mm. When you look at other societies, for example, where you've been travelling, you know, some of the happiest people amongst who yeah. live without any material possessions. Well, talk to me about that. So 
you did live as a monk. Yeah, I was... Talk to me about that and how, how it was, you know, removing yourself from the material world. Well, I, after a few years of traveling and, you know, I was exploring all different, everything I could find really, you know, I did lots of extreme sports, did skydiving and shark cage diving and I guess trying to see... A lot of diving. Yeah. <laughs> cliff diving. <laughs> cliff diving, yeah, we both took part in some <laughs> beautiful cliff dives in, in South Africa and, yeah, just almost seeing what the physical thrill, the physical highs, you know, to counter, or just, yeah, to see the spectrum of ex- experience we can have, you know. Um, and then after a few years, after you know, I was... I was into partying a lot, you know, some drinking and doing many things. I just always felt it was always the highs always had the the repercussion of a low, you know. Mm. It's like it's like a swing. If you push it one way, it's gonna yeah. Flow what the other goes way. up always comes down at yeah, some point. Definitely. So after doing that, I kind of just yeah, still I wasn't satisfied. Almost I had still a yearning to go and find discover more and then that took me to India three years ago and yeah and and then I after five six months of exploring and in hostels and getting to grips with it because if anyone who's been to India can will agree that it's quite a uh, can be quite an overwhelming place you know lots of people there and not as organised as we're used to things being <laughs> in the West. I mean, yeah, after travelling and hitchhiking through there with very little Hindi or any local dialect, I feel I can do pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and what really, the pivotal uh, change in that was when I did my first Vipassana meditation. Explain what that is for everyone. Well, th- this is something I, yeah, I would recommend to every person all my family all my friends anyone that doesn't matter what uh, state your mental health is at if it's healthy or unbalanced or you'll just benefit from this time uh, what it basically is is a 10-day uh, meditation retreat that you can do uh, and it's completely free of charge you give a donation which i think is a really nice act as no one there's no limit to who can attend it. You know, mm. it's not for the wealthy or anything. It's if you can give five pounds or one pound, you you give. They that. make it accessible to all, yeah. which goes to show how they want more and more people mm. to experience this. Definitely. Anyway, go on. Um, so yeah, you can do it all around India, Asia. I think there's even one one uh, center in Herefordshire, Herefordshire, uh, in <laughs> down in South England. Um, sorry, my English uh, geography isn't yeah. so good. <laughs> I, I mean, there's so many strange names as well. <laughs> bit of a mouthful. Um, so it's a 10-day silent retreat. So, yeah, you go in there and you don't have your phone or any books or any possessions, really. And you're in a very basic accommodation, usually just a simple room. Um, and, and, yeah, you do 10 hours a day of meditation. So you wake up at 4 a.m. And I think you start around 4.30 till 6.30, do two hours. And you have a break and you do another one or two hours. And you basically do that throughout the day. And you have a breakfast and a lunch and a light dinner. And yeah, and what this really does, it just 
I mean, even if you have no meditation experience or you're a very medi- very uh, qualified meditator, you'll really confront things that, you know, we sometimes avoid with distractions and you come to terms with a lot of things. And, and yeah, if you want to overcome a bad habit or you have an addiction, at the time I was actually smoking cigarettes quite regularly and this really helped me just completely get over it mm. and I haven't since. And yeah, I recommend it to everyone. You, by the end of it, like it's it is very tough. I won't lie to anyone. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you could do. I often made the comparison of ten years of therapy and counselling, and you can just do this ten day vipassana, and I feel you would get the same effect, if not a better effect, from the ten day vipassana. It's sort of a trial by fire, if you will. Yeah. Or not trial by fire. It's just intensified. Definitely. There's no escape from your, yeah, from the demons inside, from from your own mind. You have no distractions. Mm. Yeah. So how many of these have you done? I've done three now. Three? Yeah. And um, it's obviously h- quite hard to describe exactly what you gained from it, but mm. what would you say? I mean, each one was different. So if you want to go through, what, what would you say at the top? How did you feel after? And, you know. Mm. I think, yeah, it's definitely different for each person and how much work you put into it will be how much you gain from it obviously like your intention sort of yeah how much you work at it but um yeah i felt an overwhelming compassion to to help others really it sounds very cliche and generalized but yeah you just you just feel very very blessed and yeah very much wanting to do what you can to help others and more than anything you just want to share it and you want others to experience what you experienced <laughs> in the Vipassana I remember yeah. that really vividly and afterwards just whenever I talked to my to my family or friends after I was just always like yeah you have to go do this yeah. it's really it's yeah, life changing yeah. yeah I do remember that's the thing you've recommended to me the most mm. you, you, and I, I I will I will eventually yeah, you hopefully should. soon <laughs> yeah come out to India well, oh yeah yeah 100% so what was most difficult about it and how did it affect your own meditation routine afterwards mm. what's most difficult is what i mean other than just sitting down for 10 hours a day which most of us we really never do yeah that's very challenging like you got a lot of the physical pain you know in your knees and your legs yeah. and that's i guess that's part of it to you know put yourself through something you don't want to do which is is a great thing. Um, and what would you say your your current views? You know, what's your current uh, mindfulness or meditation routine? How has it developed since then? Yeah, how has it changed? Because I know now, I mean, we do a lot of breathing mm-hmm. techniques together and a lot of yoga. It's a lot mm. of physical, physical yoga. Uh, explain the time as well, yoga. Well, what you said about vipassana. Just going back to that. I didn't actually explain the Vipassana technique, so there is a, a difference in the Vipassana technique and the, and I guess uh, yogic practices and techniques. So Vipassana is mainly a Buddhist uh, technique, and it's, so if you want a bit of background on it. Would yeah, you like some? yeah. Give, give it, lay um, it down. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, so obviously many people know uh, who the uh, individual Buddha around 2005 years ago in India in Nepal and he was actually a young prince Siddhartha uh, Gautama Siddhartha and he left his his life as a prince 
and his wife and his newly born son and went to go and walk this path of devotion and I've heard newborns are a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well actually my new niece is she's amazing. She hardly cries. She's yeah, very well mannered. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> she does her in nappies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, um he left his family. So yeah, I won't go into the whole Buddha story. People yeah, they can read up on that if No, they give want. give the overview though. So he left his family, he basically it's, left material Yeah, he I I mean he it's actually interesting he his father didn't want him to see anything any disease anything negative or bad so he through his whole upbringing he never left the palace grounds he never saw an old person or a sick person or anything yeah any any harmful things in his whole upbringing so he had no it must have been very unbalancing really you know to have no nothing to compare Mm. you know his worldly uh, life. So yeah, I think then the story goes that one day an old man came into the grounds and he was very taken back by this scene and 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 yeah, this spurred with him to try and discover more about you know what life offers and what there is out there. Mm. So yeah, going back to the vipassana, he basically found it, uh, founded this technique and it's just primarily observing your breath and. That's basically it, and just letting the thought, thoughts filter through and being balanced and equanimous to them. Mm. That's the main. What premise. do you mean by filter through? Well, in yeah, I mean it's generally uh, similar in all meditation to not react to the thoughts that come, and it's it takes time to be able to sit, you know, for ten minutes even. You you have to begin with short amounts because. We, we, in our modern society, we do the opposite of, like, sit and be with the thoughts, yeah, you know? It's a world of impatience yeah. and instant gratification. So if you sit and you don't immediately feel results or... You're on to the next thing, yeah. yeah. I've had enough of this, I need to yeah. go and uh, look at my phone or something. Yeah, you have constant stimulation. What would you say to someone like that who tries it and says, it's not for me? Because I hear that from people who say, oh, I, I can't meditate. Mm. Uh, it, it's not for me, I've tried it. What would you say to that person who maybe has tried it a couple of times and just just? I'd say, all the more reason to do it. It's something one really needs, you know. I mean, whatever walk of life That's you're a good doing, point. yeah. <laughs> if you're in that situation, you need it more than anyone. Really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever you're trying to do, whether you're a school teacher or you want to write a book or you're an athlete, it will just, whatever whatever you're trying to accomplish in your life or whatever you're trying to do or learn, it'll just make you better equipped to do that, basically. Mm. And you'll have better relationships with your family, your friends. Everyone will, you know, benefit, and yourself included. Yeah, you improve your, the way your brain works, mm. how you control your mind. Mm. It'll allow you to perform better in everything. That's what you're saying, isn't it, yeah. really? And yeah. we all want to, you know, be the do best. The best. Yeah, yeah, be the best we can be. Yeah, yeah. optimise your life. Definitely. Why would you not? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit more about, so that's the technique, observing the breath. Yeah. We could talk, talk a bit more about the breath and breathing techniques. I know for improving performance and improving your life, I mean, I mentioned this before in my uh, in the first episode, what would you say about, you know, breathing techniques and the different types of breathing techniques, mm. especially like prana, 
Pranayama? Pranayama, yeah. Uh, and what you've shown me. <laughs> well, were you asking what different techniques there are? Yeah, or? what the different techniques are and what, what you've gained from them. Um, well, yeah, I think... I mean, there are the physical benefits you gain, you know. We talked a lot about this, about how, yeah, just we need as much oxygen as we can get in our bodies really i mean everything runs on mm. on oxygen doesn't it and and often when you ask someone to take a deep breath either because their posture isn't so good or you know their shoulders may be tense it's all in the chest yeah you in the mouth yeah exactly and we're we're sometimes so stiff in our upper body that it actually restricts our lungs to really stretch and get the fullest capacity mm. um so yeah, there are the physical benefits. I th- I I've read up on some studies of uh, having lack of oxygen. I mean, obviously, lack of oxygen affects the brain. That's no doubt. But because it's such a uh, chronic and it happens over such a long duration, it's something that we have never addressed really. Mm. You know, like there's been studies to show that Alzheimer's and certain uh, neurological diseases like this can be from just a uh, you know constant low-grade inflammation yeah. and uh, oxidative stress definitely exactly. that's what Wim Hof says a lot yeah it's it's crazy that we're not taught this from a young age like if you were to go into a monastery or s- certain other cultures mm. they teach kids about the breath from the young age I, th- I had this thought yesterday we're, we're taught how to ride a bike and we're taught how to tie our shoes but no one ever sits you down and says here's how you breathe breathe in through your nose use your diaphragm Breathe deeply, expand mm. the whole capacity of your lungs. I just find it interesting yeah. in the West that this is sort of knowledge that is known, but it's sort of not at the forefront. It's which not prioritized, it yeah. And we, instead, we pour money into medical science and drugs that improve this mm. uh, Alzheimer's and anxiety when deep breaths could do it for us. Yeah, literally. It's like uh, James Ness's book, we both read uh, oh. Breath. That he he titles his subtitle is the lost art like re re yeah. the lost art of breathing or something. That is definitely if anyone wants, and it's I guess it's kind of seen as a maybe a hippie or you know not science based. People think oh the breath how can how can that heal me how can that help me? But if you want you know science scientific evidence to prove then yeah definitely read the breath by James Nestor or look at Wim um, Hof. Look yeah. at Wim Hof's. Um, I love what Wim Hof has done. He's he's got people. He, I mean, he's, yeah, he's gone to universities and had studies done. You know, I'm sure a lot of people know would know of him already. But injected with E. coli mm. and fighting it off within 15 minutes, just using his mind, you know, yeah. changing the temperature of his body. It's um, <laughs> yeah. We speak of Wim Hof. You know, we're both quite inspired by him. Mm-hmm. We just came fresh from. Uh, a cold shock plunge this morning <laughs> definitely so there's a lake nearby which i don't know it must be it must have been one or two degrees or zero degrees yeah it was it's one of it the coldest chilly. ones i've done yeah me too but yeah we could speak on the benefits of that so cold cold plunge uh releases cold shock proteins which are anti-inflammatory which sounds counterintuitive but mm. it's um it's profound and you feel you sort of feel your all your capillaries and your 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 uh, vascular system goes crazy after. Mm. You feel like you've been reborn. You feel like you're on fire. Definitely. And it's also a like a 
challenging itself to make yourself get in the water <laughs> it's like you you have a victory in that day you know yeah. it feels you have that small win yeah and that's something thing. putting yourself in such a like you said earlier such an uncomfortable situation really puts everything into perspective and mm. it is where you grow and you feel better after yeah definitely and there's lots more of uh yeah therapeutic effects of it on the body aren't there mm. I, I, it's huge yeah mm. And it, I mean, if opposing to um, sauna, yeah, or steaming or whatever you were, that releases heat shock proteins, which are also anti-inflammatory. Mm. Getting in those anti-inflammatory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's benefits. so much. There's so much we can do. Like health, holistic health. I mean, health should be viewed as such a wide umbrella that you can't narrow it down into anything. There's Definitely. so many factors, so many different attributions. People don't realize the little things they do how they affect their health. Like it might be a small decision now, but it's... But every it, day over 10 years, you know, and you're exactly. looking at, yeah, a problem. Yeah. Exactly. You put yourself in an environment, you put your body in an environment where it's never given time to detox or mm. actually repair itself. And mm. it's constantly, you're constantly hitting yourself with a little hammer mm. over and over again. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, um, going back to breathing, I know yeah. for there's breathing techniques used by even navy seals yeah before going into like combat or you know going for a siege what do they do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going for a siege that doesn't make sense <laughs> they're going to do the thing no so and that's something that really centers you you know and maybe it clears your mind i guess and i do it in the mo- yeah. i would do it in the morning and i feel it just lays everything down for the day Definitely. when when would you say is a good time to do it um yeah, explain the rationale behind it. When and uh, why? Um, well, I, I'm i a big fan of uh, dusk and dawn as times of, you know, spiritual practice or any sort of creative art form, really. It's a very nice time, you know, you can really connect and it's very, yeah, it's very peaceful, especially in the morning sunrise. You know, you don't have any distractions of, of uh, you know, the hustle and bustle of, people around in the house or even in the community everyone's all asleep and it's kind of some hours you can get in there and really you know even if you're working a job nine to five you wake up at four or five o'clock and you've got you know Mm. three four hours to do something you know you make the time Mm. you can never really if you're really passionate about something you can never say i haven't got the time for it exactly that's Um, not really an excuse you know like you said you can just wake up three hours earlier yeah take some time for your own personal development for your own health. I mean, we all love to sleep. I guess that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the bed is cosy. It just means go to bed earlier, basically. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, I, I think it's not that we ha- we don't have much time, it's that we waste a lot of it. or We choose s- what to spend our time with, you know. Exactly. Spend an hour on Facebook. That's an hour it could be spent on something else. Yeah, it's completely unproductive. But yeah, going back to the breath. Um, so yeah, it, it really... That's something that I've that's helped me most uh, with meditation and also with dealing with any anxiety or depression. You know, I don't. It's very much in my past. The, the, uh, yeah, the anxiety I had, but it will always. You know, every day we come across situations which can provoke that tension in us. You know, so it's never really gone. It's just you handle it better, I mm. guess. And um, yeah, what the breathing really does. I mean. Wim Hof talks a lot about this and how 
the breathing is very linked to the autonomous nervous system. And if you're in a fight or flight, uh, uh, if you want to put your body into fight or flight, you'll always be breathing very fast and rapid. You know, mm. if you just do this now, you'll feel, you know, you'll feel more energized. You'll even you can release adrenaline from your body because your brain will uh, use the breath as a a signal. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a signal to see, oh, what's going on in his environment, you know? Mm. The breath is very much the controller of that. So if you breathe very slowly, you know, at the slow rhythm and continuously do that, it'll put your mind and body in a very rest state. Rest and, and digest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rest and digest. And this, yeah, it really is beneficial for many parts of your body, many mm. organs um, and just your general general mindset. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. I like what you said about it's never truly gone. Mm. Your mental health is always there. You never really vanquish it completely because no. you get these th thoughts coming in. But what you said with meditation, you um, you <laughs> 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 I hope the mic picked that up. <laughs> you sort of filter the thoughts through. You don't hold on to any. You sort of let them pass. And I guess it's the same. You know, it it sharpens the tools of just letting uh, a thought pass and not reacting to certain situations mm. or certain thoughts. So that's sort of how, you know, in the, that's how, that's why we do it, you know, it sharpens the tools. So when you're in these situations and something creeps back in, in your day-to-day -day life, you're better equipped to just, you know, not react to it and let it pass over you. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we choose what thoughts to act upon you know i mean sometimes it doesn't feel like that is in our hands but realistically it is and you might have a thought that comes up and you know it it may be you may be fearful or you may be, it may be a thought of anger but in the, the day the thoughts can't make themselves manifested at they can't point, come into being yeah, yeah at some point you have to remember to be angry at someone mm -hmm. you know you might forget you're like, oh i remember i was annoyed you you stole my sandwich <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, it's um, very interesting. Mm. Um, and it's great to see, you know, more and more now, there's so many meditation uh, apps or, you know, there's there's loads of different ways anyone in the world can access this. You don't even have to go to India. Mm. You know, you can, you can get it on your phone and just, yeah, connect. It's really accessible to everyone, isn't mm, it? Definitely. What, would, what, what advice would you give to someone? someone who hasn't started it maybe and they want to start a meditation practice how would you today's what, the day, today's <laughs> the day. start now <laughs> <laughs> yeah just start small um you know just do five ten minutes every morning build up it's don't expect to sit for one hour like physically that's a challenge it won't in, be sustainable in our world. Right yeah there. and and you'll get disheartened and then maybe drop the practice yeah so start small and you know, we benefit so much from our association. You know, join join a class or have find some friends who are into meditation. I mean, now someone in our, your family circle or friend fa uh, circle will be a meditator, hopefully, or mm. have knowledge of it. You know, join them. And that's really how you can uh, develop it as a daily practice. Making it a positive habit, you know, reminding yourself that about not not getting disheartened remind yourself they're actually taking five or ten minutes to mm. truly work on yourself it's a self-love practice really it is yeah and if you have that in mind then you you, you uh you don't 
build anything up too much in your head and you just keep at it consistently you'll build a much stronger habit that will hopefully stick mm, really definitely and you you really do receive the benefits so quickly like I remember the first few times I started doing uh, pranayama uh, just like a yogic exercise for breathing breathing exercises and you just you can do it for five to ten minutes and you'll just have this yeah this feeling of you know calmness and balance not permanently perhaps because you know you go back into the world and you get busy with things mm. and distracted but for the half an hour or 20 minutes following you know you really do feel the effect it's mm. it's not something you do and you have to wait five years to see <laughs> it you can feel it straight away yeah, yeah. no there's definitely a layer of effect mm-hmm. and you feel it immediately like that's um it's something that's crazy you know we, we have we all have the ability at any time to tap into that sort of state of mind mm. whether it's like following pranayama or you know a Wim Hof's method anything like that you will you have the ability to do it if you've got a body mm-hmm. you know you, you just have to focus for five ten minutes and then mm. you know you have lasting effects yeah definitely. I think it does in the long term like five years down the line you'll be a different person oh yeah it'll sure. just align you more with developing your own mind and mm. gaining more control over your your own mind you know making the right decisions in your life and that will lead towards you know yeah. a more wherever you want to be in life really. exactly yeah. being less reactive you won't react and take you know option A every time you might you know take a breath first and then and then decide <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no, I think it's important that's why it was in the first episode it was one of the one of the things I spoke to you about this as well it was one of the uh, it's such a simple solution you know and there's so much to it and so many different places you could start um, yeah yeah I really think anyone could, any, everyone yeah. should do it really mm-hmm. well if you asked how someone should start I guess there's a few things you can do to really uh, help it become a good practice firstly the environment you do it in is very important you want spiritual hygiene spiritual hygiene <laughs> I always talk to you <laughs> about that. You yeah. that yeah um, yeah yeah go into depth on that so yeah you I mean, you just, you want a clean space, you know, preferably sweep the space before the room, make sure it's not cluttered with things, you know, a messy room is a messy mind. Sort out the feng shui. Yeah. Which feels good. Definitely. Um, so yeah, do it if you're doing it early morning, I always have a shower before, you know, have clean clothes, it's very important. It's, all these things really affect our state of mind. You know, if you're wearing clothes that you've you've been wearing for 10 days or if they're freshly you know ironed and washed you you feel a difference mm. you know you feel like a different person you feel more clear and determined well i do at least mm. um, <laughs> so yeah you want a clean space and uh it's often good to if you're doing in the morning to face east face the rising sun even if you can't see it it's still good a good practice to do um yeah make sure there are no distractions around you know, you don't want any noises, really. Um, that's why early morning is also a good time in your house. You know, we have all our families usually, and they can be noisy in the kitchen mm. or wherever. Um, yeah. Or dogs. Dogs or barking. Dogs, yeah. dogs barking <laughs> or cats purring. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it can be hard to, you know, say, just observe your thoughts. It's 
at first that would be a very overwhelming thing so the breath is the great vehicle to do that you know you if you're sitting there and just trying to not do anything for five minutes it feels like five hours but you realize if you just observe your breath just observe every in or out breath or mm. do a breathing rhythm you know a set um yeah it'll it'll go quickly there's there's one you taught me which is i think i mentioned it before as well five second inhalation mm. five exhalation i don't know five second inhalation five second hold yeah five second exhalation and then half, five another second. five second hold yeah and i think what's good you can you can change that and make your own you know be creative with your own practice mm. and um i remember initially i would just i would do just three seconds in three, three seconds out maybe you extend that to five but it gives you a mental uh focus you know if you're counting or you're just saying the words you know inhale or exhale and i found what helps is elongating the word or the numbers to match the breath mm. to sort of and that sort of helps you f uh, focus a bit more on that um on observing the breath on that appearance and mm. um rather than like you said just sitting there and trying not to think because that's yeah. not really i mean that'll come in time but yeah it that, can be disheartening <laughs> yeah definitely i mean that's that's really like the after 10 to you know a lifetime of meditation you hope to get to that stage where you have thoughtlessness mm. and that's that's i mean that's that's when we do you know cooking or any art form dancing um you know artistic you know creating art or sport even we we go into this state of thoughtlessness that's why we enjoy it flow you know? state exactly <laughs> yeah. flow state it's a very popular uh and i guess the goal is to get into or have true mindfulness or flow or experience true mindfulness when you're doing any task. Mm. So it's not just about meditating every day for a long time and mm. trying to optimize that and make it as best as possible. You know, you want to, you want it to bleed into the entirety of your life mm. when you're doing anything, you know, put, try not to distract yourself and have yourself preoccupied and, you know, entertain yourself at any time while you're doing all your activities, you know, put, your whole mind into just washing your hands or doing the dishes you know anything can be mindful mm. and enjoyable yeah definitely. so tell me about your time at the ashram you sort of you're given tasks and chores and you know i guess that sort of simple work is that may be the goal of it you know to mm. be able to do that mindfully and contently yeah well it was so i yeah i spent i was in india for about eight months and I was still traveling a lot, moving around. I got into hitchhiking and and I didn't have much money at the time. I spent all my funds. So I was just really, you know, open to whatever was coming. I had to, I, people would often buy me food, locals, you know, I received so much love and kindness. It really, it was really amazing. You know, I had some, some of the best experiences, most enlightening experiences when I was living with no money, mm. you know, and and coming from a background where I always had money, it was it was important for me to you know go through that, and it took its toll on my body. Like I, <laughs> it affected my health a lot. You know, <laughs> obviously. Um, we'll get into that another time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, about the ashram. So I stumbled upon it um, one night, and I was camping actually near the ashram in the woods uh, with my with my now fiance, 
and we were cooking food in the evening and then it started torrential rain came it was monsoon season and i like tried to rapidly put up a sort of um uh, marquee above that had like some tarpauling and it just didn't work you know this is like mon- indian monsoon i yeah. was thinking oh it's just a bit of english weather you know i'm fine no it's indian monsoon you know um never underestimate the weather in india no. um so yeah and then we we were like not fed we were wet just sitting in this two-man tent you know thinking is the water going to get in and eventually it stopped and we it was like midnight we walked around to try and find some like warm tea or food at least and some uh we found a guy a shop and he fed us some food thankfully and we found some chai and then that the guy at the hotel who gave us the chai like we couldn't afford the hotel room and he drove us to the temple, the ashram. And so we went there and it was like midnight, no one was there. And we were just sitting on these big marble slabs, you know, it's, it's pretty cold, it's been raining all day. And then uh, these eight, I think nine mountain dogs just like barking, come running <laughs> after us, like in the temple. Like they were, I found out they were the temple dogs. Yeah. And they were just, you know, causing a big fuss. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting arrival at the temple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up not then, but I went back like a few a week later and stayed there for a month, and yeah, it was very life changing time. I mean, a lot of the work I was doing it was focusing on just doing selfless work. It's a big part of uh, yoga, you know. People in the Western view think of yoga as the physical exercise, and that's really maybe 10% of what yoga it's really like the tip is. Of the iceberg. Yeah, literally. Like so that's yoga asanas. Asanas is the uh postures you can say that we do in yoga. But there's a uh, bhakti yoga, there's jhana yoga, there's karma yoga, kundalini yoga, uh many forms of yoga and um one you of the there's goat yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Tell me no, about no. I think it's like an LA based thing. Really? Clearly, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you have goats on you. No way. And yeah. you do yoga with the goats. Yeah. Wow. Harriet um. wouldn't stop banging on about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. I'll try and introduce that to the ashram. I'm yeah. sure they'll take up. Bring a goat. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you can try it with Pippin. <laughs> he looks like he's been shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me, um, you know, yeah, continue with your experience there and what you learned yeah so there was no one really spoke english there it was just like there was the monks the main monks or in uh, hindu terms you say baba or sannyasi um so it was a hindu temple i never said that yeah and it was a shiva temple so it's dedicated to the deity the god shiva and it's really old temple like i think uh, many thousands of years old it's been a a place where many yogis and mystics have gone over the years to this mountain to um to go for meditation or samadhi or tapasya tapasya means you know going for extreme meditation and seclusion usually and uh yeah if anyone's familiar with the bhagavad gita and the the uh person arjuna who's where i won't get into the whole bhagavad gita but uh there's a character a person an indiv- individual called arjuna and it said that he came to this mountain this uh, river to do uh meditation and gain penance and gain you know strength to take up the challenges of his life so it's a powerful place yeah oh, it's very powerful anyone anyone who goes there you instantly you know feel just a very 
feel very at peace in mm. the temple. Um, I was very lucky to be accepted there and be allowed to work there and live there. So I, I was living there and just had like a, a small mat on the floor with the other local people who would uh, stay there. And we'd wake up every day like four o'clock and do an hour of cleaning, you know, 4 a.m. And having cold shower, you'd have to shower. It's very vigorous uh, routine and discipline at the place. Hmm. Like the monk, the head monk, the Baba would come in shouting if you weren't up. And really? Oh yeah, he'd come in. Did and you have, were you ever lining? And oh, I try. No, yeah. not usually. No. But yeah, he he was a very very like a uh, very like kind man, but very fierce, and he had a very strong energy. You don't like to say knock knock jokes with him. At all, <laughs> you know, um, he's he's very just focused on the temple work you know that's what yeah. he's dedicated his life to mm. um so you wake up very early and you do yeah you clean the whole temple before sunrise in in hinduism and in in most religions really um the dusk and dawn time sunrise and sunset are very auspicious times for prayer or meditation um so every day it was yeah you'd have to clean the temple before doing the prayer and then after cleaning, before we do the prayer, we clean the whole temple and we go into the duni room, which is like a ceremonial room where there's a fire pit in the floor and a square and mats round and you sit in a square and the Baba sits there, the monk, and you it's like the common room, you can say. Mm. And then we'd have uh, chillum and chai. What's chillum? Chillum. <laughs> um, chillum is a uh, clay pipe, very traditional clay pipe from India where you smoke hash usually, hash mm. and tobacco or, or marijuana. And it's, uh, yeah, we would, you could you could say the monks paid us. Uh, <laughs> ex- paid ex- you in hash. Yeah, they paid you in hash and chai <laughs> yeah. uh, for the work. Not work, well, it is work, but uh, so you, you're volunteering, you're just there to, you know, do selfless work and mm. they would give you chai, chillam and chapati. Is there oh. often, uh, yeah, there's even a song about it. In Indian, really, the yeah. free seeds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so then you'd have chillum with them all and this is still at like 5am and so it's a very yeah it's a very amazing way to start your day every day for mm. a month you know you have just very connected and very like the first thing you do in the day is something you don't necessarily want to do you wake up you have a shower usually cold shower you spend 45 minutes cleaning a big space mm. and then it's still 5 o'clock and you're like okay now I've, what else can I do with my day you know mm. it's it makes you feel good yeah. being up at that hour and being productive. Oh, definitely. Especially yeah. when it's selfless work, you know, yeah. you're you're giving your time and your energy. Mm. Yeah, you sh- you'll come one day to the temple. I will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's a goal this year. Yeah. To um, take part in a vipassana, hundred mm. percent. I feel I'd really like to expose myself to. I like I like um, sort of having boundaries and having guidelines to follow mm. if i'm if i'm told all right we're there's you sit in silence there's no no phones nothing i'm so happy to just go all into that and go 100 percent. Mm. so i'm looking forward to that and the challenge and see what yeah. i know everyone would have a different experience from it and i, I would like to just see what how i fare and you know yeah. what comes of it the realizations that might come mm. yeah with it you really you find yeah i guess all of us have some dream or something you know that we want to do that gives us fulfillment or happiness mm. and it gives a lot of clarity onto that 
you know mm. you after spending so long like 10 hours a day for 10 days doing nothing you think okay now what do i really want to do mm. you know what, what can i spend my time doing i don't mean it's not even in the grand scheme of things it's not that long is no. it no you know it's it's a, a small commitment for the rest of your life for your own personal well-being mm. you know there's quicker ways of get into some sort of realisation, like mm. a psychedelic trip or something mm. like that. But this is, like, very much more more pure, it seems, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's Especially if it's, you're doing it yourself. Yeah. You have to do a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of uh, work and focus. And I guess you reap more long-term benefits, probably. Mm. Whereas from psychedelics, you can... Yeah, you see things differently, but it sometimes fade away the clarity yeah absolutely mm. absolutely yeah well this has been good <laughs> this has been very good very insightful mm. i thank you so much again mm. for coming yeah. and sharing i know it's, it's been great it's a great story and um i mean we all have a lot to learn you've taught me a lot you know we, we're constantly teaching each other and growing together yeah that's like we share we're very like-minded that way you know mm. we share a lot of the same values so thanks again for coming on it's been a pleasure it has it's it been f- it felt like 25 minutes we were just saying but yeah apparently it was an hour or so yeah, yeah. thank you yeah it's been it's been great great chatting as always yeah uh, here's to many more <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so I must say thank you to my team again. My sister Meg, producer, editor, you know, all the behind the scenes action. Julian Kirk, at, uh, otherwise known as Atlas Audio. <laughs> for the sound engineering and the theme music and for all the design, the logo, the artwork, my sister Harriet. You can find all of these people in the links in the bio. So check them out, please. Thank you. Last word? Um, Om Namah Shivaya. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Sweet.